0: Welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos. I'm delighted to have Dr. Robin Cura, financial services marketing expert and author of the new book, Attention Hacking: The Power of Social Media Selling in Insurance and Finance on the Banking Transform podcast. Robin discusses how social media isn't just for consumer goods, but can be a powerful tool for financial services as well. Robin also shares insights from his book on how to make financial products go viral, the importance of becoming an influencer in your market, and why traditional marketing channels are fading away in favor of dynamic, strategic content on platforms like LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, and X. Finally, Robin suggests that as technology and consumer behaviors evolve, so too must the strategies employed by financial professionals to remain relevant and successful. There's been a seismic shift away from outdated marketing tactics towards engaging and personalized content that speaks directly to consumers' needs and aspirations. Even the most traditional products, like financial services, can capture the public's imagination and demand with strategic and highly creative online and digital marketing. So Robin, we've known each other for a number of years, and while we reside an ocean apart, we both have embraced the power of social media and getting our own messages out. So before we start, can you share a little bit about yourself, your agency, and more importantly, your new book? Yes, happy to do so. Um, most importantly to know
1: is that I am um, uh, have a background in insurance and finance, worked in both industries. And uh, what I'm a little bit proud on is I always say, I'm an entrepreneur during the day and an influencer during the night. My wife would say it's the exact other way around, but since she's not here yet, I can claim that I you know, am an entrepreneur full-time. And uh, I'm actually a recovering insurance sales agent. So um, I could still sell you if I wanted to. So watch out uh, for your liability insurance, might get an upgrade. Um, but what I wanna say is that is um, that you know I have a really deep insight into what's really going on in insurance and finance. I also worked for a private bank for some time. So I cannot do anything else than insurance and finance. And at some point I found a blog digital scouting, it went through the roof, we did a lot of social media, that's when we got to know each other, like 2017, 2018. I wrote an article on small, uh, small tech startup, it became a unicorn. So we were both right, you for accepting my article, and I'm from writing it. So you know, we have to (laughs) to be super smart on that one. And um, at some point, insurers and banks came to me and said, Robin, don't always complain about that we're so, you know, lame, and we're not doing modern marketing and, and stuff. And can you help us? And I was like, no, I'm never going to help you again. And then they were saying what they were that are indicating what they were willing
0: to pay. And then I was like, okay, Monday eight o'clock, how does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, Robin, because, you know, very much like me, you learn through doing. I mean, I I started a podcast without knowing one thing about podcasting. I started writing for the financial brand at the beginning of my blogging time when I was with a a direct marketing agency. And most of the other things I've done in social have been learned through doing. And, and, you know, I remember some of your early uh, TikTok videos and some of your earlier marketing social media things with your custom design shoes and everything else in the insurance space. But when you look at the transformation, what motivated you to focus your expertise on the broader intersection of financial services, marketing, and social media? Well, I was really mad.
1: I was mad at these old CEOs in suits standing on stage and saying, nobody will ever sell an insurance policy or a complex financial product via the internet. I was like, duh that's that's what's going to happen that's what's happening right now guys uh, and i was really mad and angry at this because it, it, it was endangering the future of these both great industries and uh, i was tr- just trying to get the message out we need to change we need to improve we need to innovate not for innovation's sake, but for survival's sake and so i choose social media and i think i did the first selfie at an insurance conference and i still remember one seasuit going by and i well, uh, great you do a selfie. I also saw you. You took the train to come here. I was like, yes, but forty thousand other people too. And the funny thing is, years later down the road, he and his company became clients of ours. Uh, of course, he needed to pay ten percent extra for that remark. Uh, all getting aside, and um, so what my passion is is to get the message out there. And it was really like I well, I had the message. Let's we need to innovate. And I really quickly found after my keynotes um, that. Um, that other people in the industry that were still working at these large corporates are also rebels. You know, there were rebels inside these organizations trying to innovate, to f- improve. And uh, they came to me and, and I, I, I I wanted to reach them all. And that's why I went to social media because um, traditional insurance magazines back in the days, um, they didn't take the message. So I went to social media and when you had a big enough following there, they followed too. And uh, yeah, we are reaching, um, we have a B2B arm and a B2C arm. We're reaching, we have like, I think, 700,000 followers. We reached up to 20 million people each month. It's really insane uh, numbers. Not all all B2B, but some some are. Uh, so, so that's really, really insane. And um, I think, and why I'm deep passionate since I have been an insurance sales agent, um, I remember people do not go to their friends and say, hey guys, I got a new term life insurance, 500,000 for my wife if I die. They don't celebrate this. But they still celebrate their stupid new phone or their car i mean i'm a german i love cars don't get me wrong but it's an asset that goes down in value you know it's it's not a strategic financially smart investment for most people um and i think in insurance and uh, banking we are wasting billions in bad marketing and still people don't like us while other uh, industries uh, which do not have the same benefit i mean Banks, we help people to, uh, to, to, to go through life financially and insurance are helping them in moments of crisis. So um, there's a big dis- dismatch between the actual significance, if you look from it unemotionally, and what the people think about us. And I think social media can play a role in order to change that. And we at Digital Scouting, we really have the mission. We want to change the way insurers and banks do marketing and that we really become not only factually the center or or important part of the life of our clients, but also emotionally. And and that's my goal.
0: Well, it's interesting, uh, Robin, you are probably one of only two. In fact, I'm sure you're one of only two people that I've had on as a guest who's had social media posts go viral. Gary a friend of both of ours certainly is one and you're the other and you and I both follow a lot of Gary's rules with regard to how to market how to impact consumers how to build content and how to then deploy content in very unique ways and in fact you know I mentioned that you know you've had TikTok videos that insane number of hits i i you you promote them and say how many hits and i go i got to check this and it's all valid. So you're very creative in the way you do it. I'm not sure how your family takes it when it happens at all times in the night and day. I do know that. But when you look at legacy banks and insurers, they're doing social media and online marketing in a very different, much more conservative, much more traditional way. What are they doing wrong with regard to social media strategy? what what If there's one general or two general viewpoints that you have that you say, you know what, first off, you've got to stop doing this or you've got to start doing this, what are they? Two big mistakes. Big
1: mistake number one is you give it just to your traditional agency that was very good in doing TV ads in the 80s. Big mistake. Because they don't have a clue about social media because if they would have a clue about social media, they would have millions of followers. The second one is you give it to your intern or to your niece that's 21 years old. She or he may be, you know, uh, young, but doesn't mean that they are super professionals. So uh, my big uh, tip in, in this for decision makers is A, do it yourself. Really, take the phone, do a video, try to edit it with CapCut. Because what you see then is it's not easy to do a fun, small, short video. is super hard. And then knowing the algorithm, uh, that then to go viral, that's an- that another one. But you need to be able to do it in order to see if the service providers or the internal experts actually know what they're talking about. And the second thing is, in but it's probably I'm a little bit biased that just get professionals on board that do it for you. It's easy. You can start tomorrow. You didn't. Know you don't need to hire people, but you know, since I have an agency, that's maybe not you know a neutral perspective. Um, but uh, but that's my 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 thing. Do it yourself. Don't go to your traditional agency. Don't let an intern do it because the times. I mean, the competition on social media is brutal. It's brutal, uh, and you cannot p- send amateurs in there.
0: You know, it's interesting, Robin, because not only is it brutal. But it's really always changing. I mean, just the dynamic around what the algorithm is going to be for Instagram, for LinkedIn, certainly for Google, it changes so quickly that unless you have an organization that is entirely focused on how to do better with social, you're not going to get there. I mean, To your point, I, I am less biased because I don't have an agency of my own, but the reality is not only do you have to play in the mud yourself a little bit, but you've gotta find an organization that really, really understands this space and it's probably, unlike a lot of traditional marketing, it's probably less important to find one that has financial services expertise as it is to find those that have social media expertise. Would you agree? I really hate to disagree with you. Uh, I strongly believe you need to
1: have some industry knowledge and not, you, know, you don't need to know uh, all first names of the last 27 CEOs of that certain bank or insurer. That's not, that's not necessary um, or to know the org chart by heart. But what you need to know, you need to really understand uh, how are, for example, retail banks, How are this, how is this organization ticking, how are agents and brokers, if you're in an insurance space, ticking, because what you want to avoid is that the headquarter is doing a funny campaign and all your big, m- important multiplicators are hating you for it or are rolling their eyes. So you really, I strongly believe you need to have people on board to really understand it. And what's super important is um, you as an organization don't want to spend time to educate your agency uh, or your partner or whatever in the ground rules of your industry. Um, um, you know, average industry average is like 30, 40% disapproval rate when there comes content. And uh, I think we are at one because we are we, we, we know the industry. But also, for example, we have a lot of sometimes people coming from other industries coming to us and say hey can you do this like car for example we say no there are others that are 10 times better at car i i drive one but that's about it yeah and um, so i really would say find somebody with an expertise in social it's the one thing and the other one um, in industry knowledge um, and uh, and and try to help you there because you want that pain gets away from you you don't want another headache you want less headache
0: great point and i would tend to say you're, you're right on this one. I was wrong. So um, in your book, you discuss transitioning from interruption marketing, simply blowing yeah. out something dr- dramatic, to permission and attract, attraction models. What does this mean? So um, back in the
1: days when there was almost nobody on social media, everybody could be successful with a little bit of content. Um, I think our my f- early success on all platforms was a little bit um, defined by that but since competition is getting harder you need to become better at it what does that mean um you know one spontaneous post it goes viral maybe once in your life but if you want to repeat this you need to really know the rules and um so it the the demand of what people also spend their time with online becomes bigger and bigger and bigger they want a bigger quality they want almost small hollywood movies to see and um so so i think that it's increasing quality what was that the answer was that the answer to your question
0: Oh, it it definitely is. Yes. Yes. The fact that you need attraction models as opposed to simply interrupting, you know, in the same sense, what does merely why does I should say merely having a presence on social media, no longer cut it compared to actually building evolving experiences? Well, just be there.
1: It's like just having a retail bank somewhere or an, uh, uh, an, an insurance agency. If they don't do a good job, if they don't go out there to try to get people, attract people, what, what is this presence worth? Nothing. And you need to be there where the client is. You need to be in the channels where the client is. You need to be delivering the formats they like. If they like video, do video. If they like graphic, do graphics. If they like, uh, you know, uh, carved stone platters, do that. Uh, and it needs to have also some sort of frequency. Every day, 13,000 advertisements are, you know, attacking us every single day. Um, and, you know, when you as an insurer or a bank just send, uh, you know, a banking statement once a month or once a year uh, for the, you know, life annuity policy or whatever, that's not going to cut it. Um, you, need, you, need to be, you need to be there where the client is. And the funny thing is, if we look at these super successful banks, for example, private banks, but also retail banks, or insurers with agencies, or direct insurers, they're constantly there where the client is. Um, and I think that's a little bit the secret to take the, what, take the recipes that w- worked really well in the old world and just take them and test them in digital and social and, and see it as a tool. It's not an attack on your business model. It's actually a great defense. And if you're smart, it is actually also an instrument to your offense.
0: So it's interesting, Robin, in your book, and also in a lot of content you publish online and digitally, you really talk about the fact that, for lack of a better term, not all social channels are equal. Yep. There are certain social channels that do some things better than others. There's some social channels that have gone up or down in, in value. And uh, Gary Vee talks about that quite a bit as far as the ability to capture attention. Um, What specific social platforms do you think right now show the most promise in financial services?
1: I would say if you are into B2B and you have not one top three LinkedIn account as a decision maker, subject matter expert, or company, then it's time to get a new head of marketing. And if you are in B2C and you're not on TikTok, please fire your marketing department. Why? that's where the attention currently is um, I have one side note threats uh, the the, the ex competitor came out uh, I think it's uh, it's always a bad sign when marketing departments are there first and not some users and some niche that then you know expands um, I think uh, threats is interesting if you're a bank or an insurer and want to you know uh, play with the cool kids like Dr. Pepper or some other cool companies then go there that's cool but you know the your customers are not there um and um it really depends where your client's are and what i would always say never ask your clients where they are because they will lie i, I mean if you ask me uh, what do you do i say of course i read plato all day long i mean i don't yeah i mean uh, i don't yeah at the time you know i i don't have I'm, I'm i'm hanging around on tiktok on on and other things um but it's it's also st- um, there are studies that show people answer things they think that are socially accepted uh, especially in these brutally political divided times, you can see this over and over. Um, so, but what you should do? You should look what the people are doing. When you are in the airport or at a bus or a train or if you are in a, a meeting, look what other people are looking at. And what you and, and I saw already uh, that, for example, TikTok um, had already way older user base than even TikTok knew because I looked at what people were doing. And of course, the uh, fifty-five-year-old uh, decision maker or the forty-year-old whatever didn't you know would never have admitted this one or two years ago. But I saw pretty on their phones all the time that they were there. And um, so what I want to say with that is. Don't look the people on the mouth, look on the hands what they're doing. But then you have a superpower because you're so far ahead of so many other people. And a lot of people are always saying me me, Jeremy, you're such a genius. You were on Twitter so early. You were on LinkedIn so early and successful. And on TikTok, I was like, yes, I, downed, downed, I downloaded TikTok after a billion other people did that. You know, I mean, I'm not sure if I qualify for a Nobel Prize here. Yeah? But it's you may be the brilliant. oldest one, though. <laughs> really funny one of one of my first really mean tiktok comments was old dude when are you finally going to die and i was like 38 or something i was like really i was like oh my god this is a little bit different than the insurance and finance bubble on twitter on linkedin it was a little rough street stuff going on there but you just need to take it with a grain of salt and to be quite honest I have, uh, I know I, I I, have a face made for a career in radio and that I, after 40, become an influencer on TikTok. I need teenagers on the streets say, hey, Robin, nice to meet you. It's really, really humbling. And I know it's uh, it's going to go away at some point, but I t- enjoy it every day uh, until then.
0: You know, uh, Robin, Gary Vee says this, I refer to him quite a bit on a lot of my podcasts, but Gary Vee talks about the need to have a lot of content out there, yeah. Um, that that everybody plays it too casually. They maybe get in their niche as far as what they like to do: is video or audio or or written content. How important do you see um, multiple channels and him a lot? Do most financial ins- institutions way underplay their social media hand? They surely
1: do. Uh, I just had a look at the top. Five. Fifty profiles of, of actually American uh, decision makers uh, in the banking industry for a project we have internally for German Bank, and uh, I was shocked how little activity there was actually, and there are only a few that did actually a good job. There was one guy who was really good at video, another one, uh, another woman was really good at, at text. But even uh, I don't know was it the C? I think the, I, I forgot which CEO it was. Post every three months. You know, forget it. Just stop. Just don't do it. But to answer your question. If you are really want to use social media, not only for branding, but actually for sales, independently of what your business is in, I strongly advise to be super dominant everywhere. Uh, I remember when I called my clients in back in the day as insurance agent said, Hello, this is Robin Kira. I'm calling you from your insurance agency. Wolfgang Niegel, let's talk about your policies. And they were like, Oh my God, please come. Uh, let's have a coffee. The cookie, the, the, the cake is ready. <laughs> Never happened. You, they were like, oh my God, do I get a root canal, made, Or do I actually get let this guy in? You know, he's going to sell me something. Yes, that was my intention. But what I say with that is, um, years later, when I was so uh, dominate on, on LinkedIn in my niche, then the, our clients came and stood in line. And I think that everybody, every every industry can do. You need to be dominantly out there in order to do that. You need A, to be everywhere. Also to test where it doesn't make sense and not. For example, threats. I would say it doesn't make sense at this point if you're in B two C, for example, and um, in, 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 and and you need to test a lot out in order to be early. For example, TikTok, you know, test it out, um, or Clubhouse, test it out. Clubhouse, test it out, didn't work, but you know you better, and um, you need to be everywhere. But I see one counter to Gary V's hypothesis: it's not only about quantity anymore; it's also about quality. So it's not only about posting something, but it needs to be really good. And uh, I think that has been become more and more um, fact over the yeah, last six, 12 months.
0: So when you're talking really good in financial services, be it insurance, banking, any, any financial field, are we talking about making it so that it's, it's informational, that it helps people, that a little bit different than just entertainment, but that we're trying to get the word out as to how to better manage your money, how to have more financial wellness. Things of this nature, is that part of the quality equation? Totally, but it's not that we are
1: selfless. Uh, but if you look at what is taught on schools, nothing has to do with financial literacy. If you look at the bestsellers um, at you know Barnes & Nobles or whatever book your favorite bookstore is, they are full of self-help books, especially in the finance space. You know, yeah. how to get rich, uh, how to be, you know, healthy, uh, how to be, you know, have a happy relationship. All these topics are actually topics that are super important or relevant for insurers and banks. We could, You know, people may not like us, but we have been around for some hundred years and they really, you know, um, um, think that we know something about money. For example, how to manage it, how to keep it, how to multiply it. That's what we can. And I think in, to actually go into the direction of financial education is super smart. Because, of course, you can say what they need to do. And then we also have the products that they actually can buy from us in order to achieve their goals. I think that's super smart. But, you know, if I see one more video out there where a logo is flying in the first five seconds, I think I'm going to, you know, jump out of a window. Because it's, it's, you have done this like since five years ago. But in you know, in the first seconds, it needs to be really good. In the first second, the best quote, the controversy, there's something. Um, of course, it can be a little bit entertaining. That's okay. Yeah. But I think insurers and banks you don't only have a responsibility for financial literacy and education. But we we know so much, we have endless topics. We can do thousands of pieces of content each day if we wanted to, and helping people and be on the radar. And when they have the moment of need, and I think. I really should get that insurance. I really should get that financial planning and for retirement going. In the moment of need, they think of us, and then they come to us, and that's the cheapest client acquisition ever.
0: So, Robin, in the financial services field, how are organizations now doubling down on personalization in the social media content field? I mean, how how do you personalize what is in effect a broad brush content, but in social media? What we see, I don't see it in
1: social media so much, but I see it in direct marketing and direct mailing. So like physical mailing and emails behind the scenes. Um, We see it, um, we see it... um, that, you know, they're, here, that they're, um, that they're really targeting certain demographic groups, that they're really, you know, trying, they're writing, hey, Jim, great to see you. Uh, how is the weather in Cleveland? Because they know somehow you are there and it's all individualized. Yeah. We see it also in video. So there are actually individualized individualized videos where your name appears, for example, maybe your logo of a company, we see this in video, we see this in, 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 in pictures, but it's a very small group of people actually doing this or a small group of companies. But, you know, their open rates are 10 times better and they are, um, uh, their acquisition cost is way lower than for the rest. So I think this is already happening right now and... Of course, we also have a product there, but I don't want to go there since we're not operating in America. Um, but I think that's something really, really happening um, all across in, in Europe. I see this, not only with us, but also with a lot of other um, service providers doing that. And it really works. Um, and some banks also do it themselves and some insurers. Um, I've not seen this so much yet in, in social media.
0: So how do you balance then when, you're, when the end game is trying to make sales? How do you balance... The social media and digital sales, with needing to be human relationships as well. How do you how do you build that mix between digital and human, or do you need to? I think it depends on the target group. If you are uh, uh, aiming
1: for young urban people with uh, very standardized financial needs, then I think you can be a neo bank that has a super great app, super great uh, onboarding system. That's I think that's totally fine. But if you're aiming for people with more complex financial needs uh, or uh, people that really um, value mutual banks or a physical person around the corner, which it's there are target groups still around. And I think they will be there around for a long time um, that really uh, value this. Um, and, and so um, to answer your question, it really depends on the target group. I think. To be quite honest, ten years ago, thought there would be no agent and no retail bank left until now. But I learned actually that there are more complex topics in insurance, but also in banking. Um, to be quite honest, I am a customer of a very small mutual bank, but I have a guy there who who who's, who lends us a lot of money for our real estate business. But you know, he can do also complex uh, things and magic, and that no online bank can do. We tried, and so um, I think there's there are, it really depends on the target group, um, complex, non-complex, digital non-digital but what you need to do is don't stick to a setup because you believe in it always look at the numbers when you see for example as a retail bank oh in certain city areas and nobody's going to our um, stores anymore then really make hard decisions it's really deliver what the clients want and if the clients change the attitude you need to change one more thing uh, somebody asked me recently, "What do you think, who will win, neo banks or traditional banks?" And I said, "Really depends. Neo banks have a problem; nobody trusts them. If you see the average amount of money people have yep. in neobanks, it's a few hundred, few thousand bucks. It's ridiculous. Uh, on the other hand, if you look at the digital services, the apps, traditional banks uh, offer, it's a disaster. The big question is, who is quicker? Are the digital banks, the neo banks, quicker to actually expand their business model and you know get um, trust? Then they win." or are the traditional banks able to actually do way better apps and applications and marketing um and then they will will win it's a race it's a race currently and i
0: don't know who's going to to win. so let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast Welcome back to Banking Transformer. So I'm joined today by Dr. Rob Kira, financial services marketing expert and author of the new book, Attention Hacking, The Power of Social Media Selling in Insurance and Finance. We've been exploring the challenges, opportunities, and strategies that financial marketing experts must understand as they move from traditional to social channels for financial marketing and sales. So, Robin, before the break, we were discussing many of the opportunities that financial firms have if marketers really fully embrace what's available in the social media world. What common pitfalls should companies avoid when trying to sell financial services on social media?
1: The biggest pitfall is that you do not know your target group. So you should avoid doing something funny when your target group is not, you know, want to laugh about a certain thing or with being super serious when they actually want to be entertained. So know your target group really, really well and deliver what they want. Um, and the other big pitfall is, you know, don't don't give this young, cool channel to a young, cool person. Give it to a super professional internally or externally that really knows what he or she is doing. That's also a big pitfall I see all the time.
0: Wow. Robin, that is so funny because it brings back a memory. And, you know, it's true in any marketing, but it's really true in any engagement you have with a person or an organization. I remember going to an event in Switzerland. Uh, This is probably six years ago. And I, it was an insurance, it was an investment group, in fact. And I was going with my, my, my presentation I was doing at that time, I thought, gosh, this is really good. He's going to get these guys moving, guys and women moving. It's really good. I get in the room, and I look in the room, it's just filling up. And not only do I see that every single person is wearing a suit, men and women, but they look as happy to be watching me as watching paint dry. It was terrible. I, I could, I got on stage knowing this is going to need a complete transformation the way I'm presenting because they're not buying anything I'm saying. They all are sitting there going, we know it better than you. It was about 90% men, which is way different than what I'm usually presenting to. And so, it you know, it was a great example to me. Make sure you have your audience completely defined before you try to engage or it's going to fall flat in your face. So, you know, the pitfalls of knowing your audience sounds really rudimentary, but if you're selling a certain kind of product and you're doing it in a completely wrong way, it will never be successful no matter how good the product is. You know, Robin, in your book, you mentioned outdated strategies. Can you give me an example or a couple of stra- um, examples of a strategy and what may replace it today, either from social to traditional to social or just within the social strategies? I have two examples.
1: Number one, if you are a decision maker or a bank or insurer and you just, you know, you don't have a strategy, for example, for LinkedIn, you're just randomly posting something. You know, what's really interesting is um, if, you, if you don't have a strategy, who is your target, who is your target group, what do you actually want to achieve with it, or especially who do you not want to achieve, uh, reach, then it's just random posting. That doesn't help you at all. I see this with a lot of decision makers. Finally, finally. they um, you know like to do it, but they do it in not professional way. And the second one is every single TV ad, except maybe for Super Bowl, uh, banks and insurers are bad. I mean, think about it. You need to pay uh, you need to pay gatekeepers like the TV channels money that they show stuff nobody in the world ever would watch on their you know free time. to to watch. And I think that's a very, and we spend billions as insurance and finance industry, we spend billions on our marketing and still we don't achieve anything that people watch voluntarily because I don't know, Jim, how about you? If you ever went home and said, honey, let's watch some ads from banks and insurers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the, Hey, let's watch some ads. Um, On my streaming service, I realized that now at certain points in a show, I'm given an option of which commercial I want to watch. So they give me three different commercials that I can choose from. I'm going, I'm not too sure if that's targeting, but I can tell you right now, they are they are just capturing of information based on what I like to see. So that's a very interesting dynamic when you look at the way media overall is changing. So you know one major thing you mentioned about Super Bowl that it's it's it could be it's very much a waste of money for almost everybody how do organizations or how should organizations measure success? Because I'll I'll be honest with you, from my perspective and what I do socially, I have a heck of a time determining if what I'm measuring is really the way I should measure, if it's the best way to measure, if there's a better way to measure. So how do you suggest organizations measure their success in the social channels?
1: Well, um, it really depends on your goal, but let's uh, let's go to the TV advertisement space. So um, if you just create something that gets an award uh, and, you know, awards are just giving agency to agency and everybody's celebrating them and herself and have nothing to do with the reality. I mean, we just won an award, so, you know, I won't brag too much about it or say too many bad things about it, but I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, if you produce things that really the clients want to see, maybe entertainment or a little bit of education, then what happens, and we see this about well, the ads we produce, is the people uh, watch it longer. You know, you, they don't skip after 20 seconds or 17 se- uh, 15 seconds or 6 seconds. They watch it a lang- little longer. And so if you do really good creatives, the people voluntarily watch it. And I think that's something, that's one of the KPIs. What is the watch time, average watch time? Um, that's the, even if it's paid, if it's organic, you see, you know the reach. But on the other hand, we have sometimes B two B campaigns where the reach is not bad, not good, but the relevant people are what seeing it. I have we have actually one one project where they say uh, I actually want to reach only fifty people. That's what I want. Certain amount of fifty people. So um, it's super hard. On the other hand. If you have a small group uh, and you have and then have sales meetings and the people say, "Oh, I saw your podcast with uh, this and that and a great point," then you know the people are watching. Um, but it is as the, you more and the more niche you go, the less the metrics actually count because one, two, three, ten decision makers sometimes make all the difference, especially when it's like software for banks and insurers. You know that gets, I don't know changed every decade. Um, then it makes all the difference if one or two people see it and not one or two million.
0: So, Robin, you know, writing a book is a labor of love. And, you know, you wrote re- a really good marketing book about attention hacking. But almost everybody I enter interview, ever interview, that we talk about their book, there's certain elements of surprise that happen in the writing where something you thought you'd find out was different than what you really found out, or something you're almost sure was true turned out to be false. What was one or two of the surprises you found when writing your book about attention hacking?
1: Well, there's a German version from it, three or four years old, and the English version, super up-to-date, like came out this year. So the biggest difference when i translated it actually i had somebody translating it but you need you still re- need, read need to read the book again uh, because i didn't want that you know you get also a german accent while reading it you know i think this podcast is already enough and um, so but the, my biggest intellectual thing was where i said i need to actually rewrite it was when i started and i think the book my first book the german book was like guys you really can just start you can do it post something it's amazing uh, you will reach a lot and Back in the days it also was true 2018 19 20 especially with covid there was a lot of you know a free um, reach out there for but now uh, there's me you know, not only one real estate guy on tiktok but i don't 200 so the biggest difference and the aha moment for me was it's not about just starting and doing something it needs to be good it needs to be good. And either you need to be a natural talent, really great, or you have a super great internal team or external, but it needs to be really, really good. Um, and you need to have specialists involved. That's my ma- it's a little bit unfair because I would love to just do like the, hey, Chucker, let's do it and just start. But you get only get so far with, with this um, nowadays. It's a little bit unfair, mm-hmm. um, but that's my main aha moment. I was like, I thought I'd just translate that thing, but then I reread it and was like, no, this really has changed.
0: Boy, and it gets back to using specialists to understand not only financial services, but understand social media, that, that to be good, you need to know who you're reaching. You have to know the product line, how it fits in with everybody else competitively. You need that head start. But to your other point they made very early in the podcast, don't think you can do it yourself and don't necessarily think your traditional agency can do it because there are nuances with social media that are very different. Than with traditional media. So, um, finally, Robin, what's your number one recommendation for bank marketing in financial services?
1: Start your short video team now. Go to TikTok. Go to InSim Shorts. Go to YouTube Shorts. Start your short video team now. Not yesterday. Not tomorrow. But now.
0: With that in mind, and with the fact that most people would not would be served well by reading your book, how do people find you and see what you've done in your attention hacking for yourself and for your company? Uh, yeah,
1: go to LinkedIn or go to Robin Kira there or go to TikTok, look for Robin Kira, or CEO of Diggy. That's uh, you know, nickname people gave me like a CEO, CEO of bro um, gave me. That's in German, so you don't see all the silly things we do there. Um, but yeah, we we eat what we cook, you know. We eat our own dog food, another quote of Gary Vee, we eat our own dog food. Um, uh, have a look in, in there, and we're also happy to share some use cases we have, if you want to see how can that be applied for a suit which cannot dance, you know, naked like I do all the time on TikTok. Kidding.
0: <laughs> Robin, you're a crazy fool sometimes. I watch you on, on TikTok and everything else, I'm going like, that is insanely creative. You have an amazing personality that is very outgoing and fun. You, you obviously attack everything with a, a very high level of passion. I really appreciate you being on the show today and want to have you back soon again. Thank you very much for having me the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence we appreciate the support we have received to make this endeavor a success if you enjoy what we're doing please take some time to show some love in the form of a review finally be sure to catch my recent articles in the financial brand and the research we're doing for the digital banking report this has been a production of evergreen podcast a special thank you to our senior producer leah Hassan, audio engineer chris vithalias and video producer will Pritz. If you've not already done so, remember to subscribe to Banking Transformed on both your favorite podcast app and on YouTube for more thought-provoking discussions on the intersection between finance, technology, and leadership. You've got questions,
1: we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging.